So I'm gonna change that to instead of W. Allen um, Goslin. Go, 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 it's Gosline. It's Gosline. All right. Is that that's not German? Uh, it's I don't know. We don't really you know how it is. It's like old school, right? We don't really know, but it's it is a derivative of Gosling, right? The baby goose. Yeah. 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 Gosline. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. All right, I got it. All right, and I'm gonna change this to um, W. Allen Gosling. It does sound like you're like when you say W. Allen Gosling, it does sound like you're like a, a writer, a, right? A writer, but or 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 a, or, or a contributor to uh, NPR or something. The Atlantic. <laughs> the Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> trying to give myself a little gravitas, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the the latest article from from W. Allen Gosling. <laughs> <laughs> the ba latest barbarian baby barbarian barbarian book from w allen <laughs> <laughs> all right bill we're going to do the intro and we're going to jump right into it you ready oh, yeah i'm ready all right here we go strap in all right <laughs> all right welcome to oh hang on i gotta move my window my drag right here all right here we go all right Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 113. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and talented comic creator, Bill Gosline. Bill, how you doing? I'm good, Barney. Thanks for, um, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, and I'm excited because you just ended up having a successful Kickstarter, your first Kickstarter, yeah. and it was a it was a, a rounding success, a baby barbarian. Yeah, it was a success. Yeah, yeah, there were there were uh, there were a few things that um, that were actually unanticipated, but were you know were better, you know, not like not bad things, but good things that actually happened out of it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, because like you were talk about like an IP thing, you have. You're 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 making a, a, a video game, correct? Some sort of like a, an interactive video. It was, and I learned this by watching your other interview. Oh, nice! The term, the Metroidzilla style. Metroidvania. Metroidvania. Okay. Metroidvania style video game. And yeah. before you started the project, you you didn't know that that term actually existed. Mm -mm. So but you and I, you remember Metroid and Castlevania with that? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I didn't even know that it was a retro thing. I was like, you know, what would be kind of fun is to do like a kind of a retro video game for this. Cause you know, of my generation and then everyone's like, Oh, the Metroidvania thing is like, is so popular right now. It's like, <laughs> okay. it's like an actual thing. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised. And then you also, so that was kind of a side part, but you also, you know, looking at your, your, you're working on as well, the, uh, a, a, a companion tabletop game with that or card game or something was that yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's really exciting um so the metroidvania is we we call it a um a video game teaser because it's basically one scene from the comic okay. that is explored using um like the characters uh from the comic which i had um made into sprites Right. And but it's really only a teaser because it's just a one screen thing. But um, I don't know. We just I just wanted to. Well, the, the truth is, is that I kind of had a I had my friend in Hawaii was working with this program. And when I started, I was kind of like, you know, I'm just like a classic 
trying to, um, uh, how do you say, uh, you know, the shotgun method, right? You shoot everything right. at the wall and hope something hits. And right. I like, so he happened to be working at um, helping people um, learn how to use Unity. And he's like, I have a team over there that actually needs a project. And I was like, oh, I got a project. I got a project. <laughs> and so that's how we ended up working with them. And, um, and you know, they're very, they've been very generous. They've been very professional. Um, this is our first go around for all of them. And, you know, it's been a lot of fun, but it's a, um, uh, it's, we just call it a teaser because there is not, um, you know, again, it's just a one screen thing and it's just to give it, give a sense. And we've been using it as, you know, sort of like enticement, you know, because the comic right now is really our main focus. But then you mentioned the card game and yeah, I actually found a designer in Spain and who I like, and we really hit it off. And the card game, the game, the tabletop community is really generous. Um, mm. You know, yeah. comic, indie, indie comics people tend to be very generous as well. But I think uh, the, the the gaming, I think it's partly just the medium. You know what I mean? Because a lot of you know, uh, there's a certain like. Uh, monomaniacal aspect to comic books, right? You know what I mean? Because you're like, it's a classic. You're going to write the thing about a superhuman and all that, you know? But then games inherently are about community. Right. And, That's a good point. Yeah. And so, like, we just started hitting off like gangbusters. And and I, I pitched him the initial design ideas. And, um, and then he actually had the experience to be able to crunch the numbers and really perfect the mechanics. And I've been, we started about maybe about a month ago and we're already in the point where we're able to, I'm hoping I'll be able to play it with him remotely in the next week or so. And then we can start working on the cards and stuff. So yeah, it's super exciting. Well, for me, it's very exciting. Yeah. Right. And so, so I mean, cause as you said, like you're, you're dealing with, you know, different mediums, you're dealing with the, the video game piece, you're dealing with the, the card game piece and the actual comic book as well. So talk to us a bit about how you kind of had to tweak some of the narratives between, because some of it is passive entertainment, meaning mm -hmm. sit back is still going to go, whether you participate or not. And then there's active entertainment, like reading a book where it doesn't go unless you actively are engaged in it. Um, how did you have to, from your, from your creative sense, how did you have to kind of change um, some of the design aspects of, of any of those? That's a really good question. Um, I think the key to that is making sure that you have a good mission statement and you are clear on your theme. Mm. And, um, and when I first, one of the first things I did when I was doing Baby Barbarian was I I made my mission statement, which is every iteration or every form of baby barbarian should be enjoyable by adults, i.e. parents and okay. children alike. And so that's kind of the driving thing behind it. And then the theme is about um, cooperation, participation, uh, and work you know working together in in this case in a family unit to overcome challenges and i think you know that was intentional you know i i i i've said in the past that you know we as a as a as a as a species 
we have a lot of, we're facing a lot of existential challenges. Mm-hmm. And I think that the old narrative of, you know, like the the one guy who's going to go out and say, and of course in the past it was a guy, right? Most of the time uh, is going to go out and save everybody. I think that's a, an unrealistic, and I think it's kind of a, um, I would say it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a, it's not, it's unrealistic, it's outdated and it's a bit, um, how do I say, it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a negative message in a lot of ways. Right. You know, and it kind of leads to narcissism and that kind of thing, you know, that, that you're going to be able to solve all the world's problems. So the theme, that's the theme, right? It's about working, working together. Um, and so with the, with those in mind, and when I'm talking to other people, I will just say like, you know, what about, for example, the video game, why don't we, why don't we make the, this video game? Why don't we just imagine it's a scene from the comic? There's a scene in the, in the comic where Brom, who's like the titular uh, baby barbarian, he needs to get out of us. Uh, whoa, 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 spoiler alert. He needs to overcome a challenge. And then the game explores that. Mm. And then the card game is actually, I was like, well, in the comic, there's again a challenge that the entire family, the entire family is separated in a well, it's all spoiler stuff, but <laughs> they get separated into like in a in like a castle and they have to they have to get to they have to meet each other and they have to meet at a certain place in order to escape. Okay. And so that actually is, you know, we can replicate that with a card game with uh, each player is a one of the family members and they start out in a different place and they have to journey on their own journey in order to come together in order to overcome a big challenge cooperatively so it is kind of a, it is more or less a cooperative card game does that answer your question yeah yeah absolutely yeah. so um kind of give uh uh, the viewers and maybe the the, the podcast listeners kind of a, a background of Baby Barbarian, the the, the storyline of the the first book. Um, you, you mean like how I thought about it, or or the storyline of the book? Both. That's a great. Yeah, I mean, just kind of get people where your inspiration. Yeah, for your inspiration for it came from, and then what the you know what the back of the 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 back of the book synopsis is that people could expect. Okay, so I I came up with it, you know, during COVID, and I was like, like everyone else, like at the very beginning, I was super bummed, right? I was like, what's yeah. going on? And my wife had just started this job, and she was super busy. Um, and then I, my son and I were stuck in this little apartment because we just moved back to Seattle, and so we weren't established yet. And um, I was like, if I don't do something positive, I'm gonna I'm gonna just fray. Right. And so I you know, it was, I was there with my son and he's, he was, he's kind of a wild man, you know, and I'm a little bit of a wild man too. And so I think it just sort of emerged, you know, that the, the barbarian trope and, and one of the things is that, you know, the trope of the rage mechanic, which is very common to barbarians. I use it kind of as a metaphor for, um, for ADHD and wildness. Cause I'm ADHD and my son is, we don't know, but he kind of, he's wired like me. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, you know, and, the, and, and one of the one of the themes is that, you know, how do you control that intensity? Because it's not just like the rage power is not a bad thing inherently. 
but it's a dangerous thing. And, and ADHD also is, you know what I mean? It can, it can lead you to, to make kind of impulsive, bad decisions, but there's a lot of benefits to it, a lot. Right. Um, and I know your background, you worked in a lot in remote, in a lot of places, you probably encountered a lot of people that were high functioning under stressful situations. And that's kind of uh, AD, classic ADHD, you know? Mm. Um, and then the, and so, I think it just kind of emerged out of all those things, you know, all the, the confluence of all of those, um, all of those elements and all the circumstances. And, um, and then the comic, the synopsis is it's about a family, the Berserk family, um, Brom, Bjorn and Brunhild. So Brom is the boy is uh, about my son's age. Imagine that <laughs> Bjorn is, is the dad. And he's, he has some issues like, like me, imagine that. And then Brunhild is the mom, and um, and uh, and they are they've left their like ancestral thwaite, and they go into this town called Lethome, and that's where they sell their. Um, she she has a business selling like all things pickled, and he has a he has a like a fur business where he sells like um, uh, otter underwear and stuff like that to keep the male chaff keep the male chaff away, <laughs> chafe away. <laughs> And when they arrive there, there's another, there's another, you know, stranger who's coming to town. It's the inciting event, right? And he happens to have some, uh, some magical items that, of course, end up enticing not just the village, but um, the one of the members of the Berserk family in particular. And it happens to be, it's well, it's called the Player's Throne. The comic is called the Player's mm -hmm. Throne. So it's it's a throne that's um, sort of modeled off of, of course, the Iron Throne, which is um, except instead of being made out of swords, it's made out of all kinds of garden implements. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, you can see it over there. That's him. That's Mr. Mountebank, and um, he is uh, he uh, he's trying to entice people to sit on it because then it will send them off to a, a land of endless fun and games. And Believe it or not, one of the family members sits on it and is sent off, and then the rest of the family has to go and find them and then return. And that's basically it. Okay. Uh, that's the synopsis. And so you have this as listed as book one, correct? Is that part one, yeah. Part one. And and what and so you 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 plan on having this as a as a an ongoing series, or what's your plan for Baby Barbarian? Um, so part we're actually working on part two right now. So we want to do the part two Kickstarter prior to the card game. Okay. And actually, that's for a practical reason because we're sort of um, uh, we're we're making cards out of the art that we have. Oh, cool. So it's, it's a little bit of a um, you know because you you make your cards and you can just snip take little snippets of the images and throw them in right. Right. Um, and so that would be part two of the player's throne, and then. We are um, we're going to do that, but then I do I do have um, another story arc, and that would be when the family um, basically they meet somebody else when they have been transported off to this castle. They meet somebody else in the castle who then returns with them, and that individual is is separated from their family. So then, at the end of the player's throne they're going to leave their mountains. They're oh, going to leave the, um, their mountain, you know, they're very isolated. And that's what another theme is that, is that this is, you know, a, a small, you know, big fish in a small pond. You know what I mean? These are, uh, these are just, you know, simple mountain folk, you know, mountain barbarians. 
And then when they leave, it's the first time all of them have left. They're going to take this person with them and they're going to try and reunite them with their family. And then we're going to be able to explore more of the world, which I'm really excited about. You know, I mean, world building is really one of the, I think my primary interest almost more than, you know, fiction. I just love world building. It's, it's the, I mean, that's what fantasy is all about really, you know? Right. And so talk, talk to us a bit about that. Like, so you had, you kind of, you know, as you say that you, you started off, you know, when, when, when COVID hit, uh, kind of started formulating this idea. So you start off with character kind of character ideas with, with the barbarians, uh, and then from there, did you write the story or did you create the world next? Uh, I wrote this story because I'm very, I think, I don't think this is uncommon with a lot of fantasy writers, but a lot of the tropes are so embedded in us, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That, you know, you they almost sort of emerge naturally. And, and actually, you know, a lot of, I'm actually because it is sort of a, not sort of, it is a, um, it's a lighthearted, it's, you know, it's a, it's kind of a satirical uh, version, um, you know, of, of, of fantasy, right? So I actually, um, a lot of the tropes that you would know, I'm sure from fantasy, I sort of poke fun at them. And I don't think that's uncommon nowadays. You know what I mean? I think that's, there's so many, you know, fantasy is so well healed at this point. Right. I mean, so I just wrote the story. And the other thing that's great working with the artist, Igor Wolski, I mean, he's just incredible. He is an incredible artist. I mean, he is, I don't know how much longer he'll work with me because he's probably going to get enormously famous, you know, <laughs> but, um, but the fun thing about working with him is that he will just, I, I will, I will, I give him, like in the second part of the script, I've given him fewer and fewer prompts hmm. because I know he's just going to fill it up with incredible little funny things. Like the, there's that picture where they have the shark over the roof. That was not in my prompt. Right. And then there's two characters that he created um, that recur. And I didn't write those characters in, but now I'm like, I just love them. They're these two little kids. And I just love them that I actually put them into the second script as sort of like these recurring characters that are always doing little actions in the background. You know what I mean? That's like kind of unrelated, but kind of related right. to the story arc. And so, yeah, I think I'm just, you know, the world is just emerging. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, they always have writers always talk about like, oh yeah, you know, I was like, you know, oh, my character wouldn't say that because, you know, my character talks to me. And I was like, yeah, all right, that really happens here, you know what I mean? But then I was like, oh my God, I actually understand. Like I re-looked at my script and I was like, no, my characters wouldn't say that. And I was like, oh, I got hit by lightning, man. Because you have, like, you, you, got, a, you got an MFA in creative writing, correct? Nonfiction creative writing, yeah. No, it's and you you've worked in uh, you've worked in kind of like game design and graphic novels. You've written stuff like this before. Is this compare Baby Barbarian to some of your previous work? Is this something that you feel more connected to, or is this uh, a, a project that is also just part of your timeline of projects that you'd say? Yeah, I don't. That's a really good question. I would say that this is the first project where, um, man, that is a, 
That is, I've never, I haven't thought about that. You know, it's one of those quite, it's one of those things because you, you often think like, you know, it's like the, the path of one's life. Sometimes you, you don't think about it and then you're like, wait a second, there has been sort of a trajectory, right? Mm. That maybe makes sense, except you don't, because you lived it, you haven't actually parsed it out or, or, or figured out how it's connected. Um, yeah, it's different. And the thing is, when I wrote it, I kind of wrote it. Another reason why I decided to do it is because, you know, I do know that YA comics are very popular right now. Mm-hmm. They're very popular. And like everyone, you know, um, you know, we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later, but, you know, it was picked up by a publisher that is trying to get into YA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So everybody's trying to get into YA. So that was a consideration for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was like, OK, you know, this is this is something that could have more legs than something else, you know, and, and the, people often caution against writing to market because then it's, it's inauthentic. You know what I mean? It's like, don't write something because everyone else is writing it. Number one, you might finish after the trend is already gone. And then number two, if you don't have enough of a love for it, then you won't finish it yourself because this right. has been a lot of work right. and it's been very hard. But I would say this is the first mature thing I've written. I think that's the best way, ironically, <laughs> because it's it's a a book you know it's a book about barbarians and it's very silly but it's mature right <sighs> yeah that's a good question thank you for asking that and like i'm like processing it now <laughs> so we you know we, we have you know writers that will listen and watch the podcast and they might be you know they they, they tune in to maybe to get some maybe some inspiration and some ideas and advice what what they say is like, hey, you know, this is great, Bill. I got something written up. How do I, who do I share this with to see if I got something going on here? Uh, where would be your, what would you be your advice and suggestions to say, take it to here or, or find a place here? What would be your advice for someone that has a script? They wrote, they wrote a comic script, but they, they don't know what to do, what the next steps would be. Mm, that's a good question. Well, I think, Number one, you know, you can you can download online. Um, like, for example, when I was first starting out doing um, scripts for comic books, I downloaded like I like Kurt Busiek a lot. Um, do you know, you know him? He wrote like Astro City and stuff like that. OK. Um, and he did some good, great Avengers where anyways, he's a comic book writer. I found some of his scripts online, downloaded them and just look at the form of the script. OK. You know what I mean? Look at the form, because a lot of a lot of uh comic book writers are different i think that guy um what's his name um he's he he wrote everything in dc for a while and he was running dc for a while um paul or something like that uh, johns jeff john is that sound right johns jeff johns maybe i think i saw his scripts and there was like a a very little um very little uh, uh direction to the writer you know and then there's guys like alan moore who are like they're down to the minutia, you know, one panel might be one page. Wow. So you can download some scripts, take a look at what other established writers are doing and you can juxtapose those with the actual book. If Presumably if you're writing a comic book script, you know comic books and you have some comic books you love, right? Um, and then after that, I would recommend, you know, you, you know, the thing is, you know, about when I got my MFA, right? I, there was this, I remember there was a writer and they said, you know, after 12 years, I real I felt that I had learned the craft well enough that now I was able to write. This kind of craft, I mean, there's a reason why they call it craft 
and not art, right? Because it takes a long time right. to be a good writer of any genre, of any form. Um, and so, you know, I think what happens is that we often have a really good idea and we write it and we, we cherish it so much. And you know what I mean? And then you put it out and then, you know, you know, somebody will point out basic flaws and then you're just crestfallen. And, you know, you, you, it's just like someone punctured your balloon, you know what I mean? And I think you, you have to, you have to be able to disengage from your art a little bit. And that's very hard because, you know, art, art isn't, it is an egoic exercise, you know what I mean? But um, you, you should find some kind of community, even if it's only one other person uh, to bounce it off with. And often it needs to be somebody who's kind of on the same level as you, I think, you know, or a little bit better because if you're just starting out, you might not get any callbacks, right? You know, you can't just cold call somebody and, hey, I got the script. You know what I mean? I mean, I maybe some people can if you have good connections, but that hasn't really been my experience. Right. And, you know, and you just got to learn the craft. And, um, you know, but one thing one thing you can do is that I am involved uh, in tons of groups on Facebook. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there are there are people over there, there's groups, just look for groups, comic book creators, and you can put it out there. Hey, do you wanna, do you wanna um, critique each other's work? You yeah. know what I mean? And take a look. But I mean, there is a lot of, to be honest, there's a lot of research that needs to be done. And I think sometimes, you know, I've been doing this for so long, now that I think about it, that you kind of forget, you know, the, just the nuts and bolts and just the baby steps that it took to arrive at the point where you instinct, you instinctively know if something's working or not. Right. Actually it's not instinctive. It's because you've trained yourself. So right. you have to put in that time. I think, you know, we have that. I don't know why people think that writing is different from other things. You know, there's like that thing of the brain surgery. It's like, you know what, when I quit brain surgery, I'm going to write my, write the great, you know, story of my life and it's going to go it's like well you know you did 30 years of brain surgery and you know other people wrote for 30 years why do you think that you can just one year later <laughs> a masterpiece you know what i mean that's I, a good point yeah, yeah. right <laughs> it, 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 it trivializes the entire craft like you just said yeah it's like yeah you know, yeah yeah <laughs> is that is that i hope that's helpful and i don't want to discourage people but you know it's just the other thing is you just have to love it enough right you have to let, I mean, most writers I know, they are gonna do it no matter what. They're gonna do it no matter what. And it's just a certain calling that certain people have. You know, I remember there was this, um, when I, I used to teach English in Hawaii and there was this young Korean lady, um, she's like 20, mid, early 20s. And this was before I returned to writing. And they called her, um, Carver and then her last name, I won't say her last name because I don't want to, you know, it's, but they called her Carver because she read uh, Raymond Carver. And one of the reasons why she wanted to learn English was so she could read Raymond Carver in, in English. And I remember telling her one day, I was like, you know what? It never goes away. If you want to write, you should just write. And I was like, oh man, I just told myself, 
I told her what I needed to tell myself. And then I realized, I was like, yeah. But the, you know, the point is, is that, you know, she actually, she went on to do some pretty amazing things, but um, yeah, it just doesn't go away. If you really have that bug, it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So embrace it and get ready for the, what did Harlan Ellison tell that? Tell somebody in the workshop at the, um, he said, you're, he told one guy, you're not going to be a writer. And then he said, you are going to be a writer. Dan Simmons wrote like Hyperion and stuff. And he says, and, and he told the whole group, he says, you think that I'm doing him a favor by telling him he's going to be a writer, but I'm not. Because what I'm telling him is that he's going to have a, a rocky road ahead <laughs> and a lot of heartache and a lot of struggle. Anyway, <laughs> that's typical Harlan Ellison for you, right? <laughs> and, and so what would you say for them? And how did you find uh, Igor? How did you find him? Um, I was internet stalking. Yeah. artists you know and i just saw i had never seen anything like his art and i don't know if he saw some of his other art he's actually right now he's working on um for, for the second kickstarter we're going to be doing a little bit more uh marketing so i'm actually going to be talking to a marketing group you know and so they need assets and um so i said igor hey man let's do he he often will do these incredible pictures he'll live he'll draw them live on facebook and they're one panels of these incredibly detailed pictures i said can you do that one so he i don't know if you've seen those but i saw those a few years ago and i was like oh my god this guy is incredible right just incredible and um so he's working on right now one right now i don't know what it's going to look like because i gave him the script the second script and i said why don't you figure out what you want to draw you know what i mean but it's going to be kind of like a big picture you know right and this stuff is baby barbarian is kind of tame compared to some of his other stuff man okay wow yeah and he does the coloring and everything on this right Mm -mm. i have um i have a, a colorist who does the flats and then i have um the final, these are not the final pages, but um, okay. you know, uh, that uh, I, I, I found a, a lot of, a lot of the artists that I find, I find on Facebook, to be honest with you. you oh, know? wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, there's a, an Egyptian woman, young woman, and she did the, she did the, um, this kind of watercolor effect for the colors. Okay. It really looks good. Wow. And then the letterer is this incredibly talented guy. Um from uh, Argentina named Lu- Lucas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm just like project managing half most of the time, you know, and writing scripts every now and then. <laughs> right. right. So how, so what would be, so I guess my question too, for you is what is the, uh, you know, for advice is there is there's a few ways you could go. One is, as you say, kind of like project manage it more or less. Uh, but what would be the the benefits or drawbacks by finding the one one person that would do do it all, do the the lettering and the coloring and the the flats and the the drawing and all that stuff? Is there anybody who can do that? That I, I, maybe not well everything. It's like the the whole uncommon service model is like if you're be really good at one thing and then be unabashedly mediocre at everything else. Yeah. So. Um, but I mean, from, from, I guess, from a business perspective, because if you are, if somebody has written it, it's, you know, written up something, um, you're going to end up having to, you're going to end up having to, um, pay for quality in a way too. Right. Yes. 
Yes. So what what would be your suggestion to say? Uh, so I guess the question is 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 mm-hmm. for you is that commitment that you came into with like okay we're going to do a Kickstarter. This is how much um, I'm going to have to. This is how much I'm going to have to pay forward to make sure we get something going. Um, and what were some of those challenges? Cause you said in a previous interview that you learned a lot doing your first Kickstarter. What are some of those lessons that you're going to be able to take with you to put forward on your next Kickstarter? Well, like I said, I think I'm going to, um, I'm going to be using, a. honestly, I'm going to be using an agency. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think, and this is not uncommon in the, in this life, right? And you understand as you get a little bit older, it's like you learn, like I taught myself while we were doing this, a little bit of Adobe Photoshop because that's what everybody uses. And that is a really hard program. And, you know, I got to a point where I was a bit functional with it. And I was like, you know what? I understand it. I kind of understand what's capable of it. Now I'm going to, I'm going to outsource it to other people. You know what I mean? Because, well, I mean, there, what is that trifecta they always have, right? You can, this quality, money, or um, time, yeah. right? Right. And for me, I, I think what I really realized, you know, and I've realized this when I had a business in Hawaii was, you know, I learned how to do, it was a business where I was doing equipment repairs and stuff like that. And I learned how to do it and it took me a long time, but what I realized was that if you can outsource that work to somebody else and you make some of the money because you've outsourced it and then you have more time to do other things, you know, you don't have to do the stuff that you don't like. Right. You're more effective because you're doing this stuff that you do like, and then you're more efficient because you're out because you know enough about what to do that you can outsource it effectively. Does that make sense? Right. It does. Yeah. 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 When you when you when you kind of identified and, and found these folks, what would be your recommendation? Did you have to put together like a contract with them or or is it more of like a, a, a handshake situation? What would be your recommendation for? Yeah, no, that's a really good years? question. That, and that, that is a very legitimate concern. So uh, actually I did, um, I did, you know, we met through um, Stephanie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, uh, so I know her from uh, an, an attorney friend of ours. And so I had him uh, drop, uh, kind of a boiler of uh, a, a boilerplate contract for me, and I did use that because I was like, I realized, you know, I in the past I've done stuff kind of half-assed, and then I was like, you know what? Why would I spend all this time and this energy on something, and then not just do that one little extra step of getting a contract and, and asking the 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 people I'm collaborating with to 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 sign it? Because my intention, what from the beginning was to build IP. Mm. And that is like characters, world, world names, that kind of stuff. Right. And I always was, I'm not a greedy person by nature. That's not my nature. And I think I can say that. And that's not like a humble thing. That's just like a reality thing. Um, and so I've, I'm okay with sharing, you know, uh, sharing whatever bounty I get with the people I'm working with. You know, I'm okay with that. I I like that. You know, I think that's a good thing, especially artists, right? right. You know, I'm an artist. I love artists. You know, and um, but I 
but I wanted to make sure that nobody has anything on my IP, mm. my intellectual property. Right. Because, you know, I have plans mm. for ratcheting it up into different iter iterations. So, yes, I did use contracts for some of the people that like particularly the ones I was working with the most, like Igor, we have a contract, the game designer, I have a contract, the video game people I have a contract with, um, you know, the, 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 some of the colorists, they're in different countries. The, the, the colorists are both in different countries. We didn't work that much together. The letterer. So we, we, I just, email is also admissible, right. In course. Mm -hmm. So I just like, Hey, can you just do me a favor and just say, I understand that I have no, you know, I'm, this is a work for hire and that's what it's called. You know, I might be jumping ahead a little bit, but in general, when you are working, you're either, when you're on a project like this, you're working one of two ways. One is a work for hire and that is where you get paid and then you're done. Mm. The other one is where you have some, you have some form of ownership of the project. And that means you will get um, royalties or you'll get a cut of the Kickstarter um, uh, whatever extra money there's left over after everything. Um, and, and royalties is, you know, it's kind of the big one. Um, yeah. So I was either email or this one contract that I used and I sort of tailored it to different people, depending upon what my particular arrangement was with them. And a lot of the arrangements I just, and to be honest, like I actually offered royalties to Igor because I wanted him to be invested in the project. Right. You know what I mean? Um, because this could not move forward without him. I can get another colorist. I can get another letterer. I mean, I sorry. If you guys are watching this, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I <can laughs> because they're very talented, very, very talented people. And particularly the letterer, Lucas, has been helping me out enormously. And that guy, well, we're getting to the point where he might be, he might be, uh, you know, a must have as well because he's he he's he's actually he's one of these he's one of these people he's just keep on he keeps on getting more and more gigs and the lettering he did on the finals is just phenomenal right but the point being that you know what i mean i wanted to i wanted to make sure that igor wanted to work with me you know is this his work here uh-huh mm -hmm. but you gotta see the new pages because he changed up the font a little bit to match the um the watercolor Okay. Um, but you know, that's going to be coming out with a comic when it comes out, the right. actual comic. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's super talented. So this is a 32 page comic, correct? The first, um, it's 28 pages and then we have covers we had three covers. Okay. Um, uh, uh, actually my high school friend did one of them for us. Um, okay. he did the main cover and then we have, um, actually a fairly well established fantasy, uh, Artist named Travis Hansen did another one, and okay. then um, and then uh, and it, uh, I wanted to do kind of a manga style because I understood that you know manga is super popular with the kids, especially. <laughs> so I I was like put on Facebook. I was like, hey, anyone here can do a manga style cover. And this Italian guy, I liked his art, and so he did another. He did the third cover for us. Okay. Yeah. And so these are pictures we're looking at now. This is uh, this is your. Uh, metroidvania style game yeah mm -hmm. awesome. yeah and 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 i just met with them i think last tuesday and we're getting very close and it looks great it looks great you know what i mean i'm very happy i mean ideally you know 
I got to go in steps, right? Comic book, card game. Ideally, I would be able to fund enough to make a, a real Metroidvania, but did was this an idea that was thrust upon you, or this is an idea that you had from the beginning? The IP of of because you kind of said earlier that it was kind of a passing idea, but was this part of your? As you said, you ran a business. Was this part of your strategic plan to say, all right, I want to have this come out? No, like it was literally like I was just starting out. And I, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just the, the reality is that, you know, like any industry is you have to have a little bit of credibility before doors will open, right? Right. Yeah. And I didn't have anything from the at the beginning. You know what I mean? But I had a friend <laughs> and I knew that he liked to do video games. And so I called him up. I was like, hey, man, you know, I don't know. This is kind of crazy, but you've always wanted to blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, I can't do it myself, but I'm working with these people. I was just trying to, I don't know, man. I was just like doing the shotgun thing, you know? Right. And then it just kind of emerged. I think that's, if I have like one talent, it's the ability to just sort of see something and see an opportunity in it. Right. And, and I can pivot also, I mean, I'm, I'm ADHD, right? And so you can pivot very fast. Okay, that door closed, let's go somewhere in another direction. Right. This person can't help me, I'll go in another direction. But I know where I'm going, you know? And, I, and, and so we were like, well, we can't make it a full video game, so we'll just make it a teaser. And it was a reward and, it, and we're gonna probably, we will not probably, we'll definitely be using it as, as a way to advertise for the coming other things, right? You know what I mean? Like the other Kickstarters for the card game and for the comic book. You know, it's it's not a bad, what they call an opt-in. An opt-in is where like, can we get your information so we can send you an email when this happens? It's just, it's modern marketing, you know? And this is not a bad opt-in as opt-ins go, you know? This is pretty unique too. I haven't seen like, yeah, like a, like a video game add-on basically of it. It's it's pretty, and your 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 backers um, will be thanked in the games credits as well, which is which yeah. is pretty fun. That was a team. The team. The other thing about this is that, like for me, I'm all I I think if I have another talent is I I ask good questions. I don't have solutions. I just ask good questions. So I was like, wow, man, what can we do about, you know, how can we make this thing like a? And then I got answers from the team in Hawaii. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's what's the, is there um is there any other uh is there anything else you want to do with this IP like uh tabletop role playing game or uh, children's books or any any other ideas that you've that's kind of like in the in the in the in the hopper right now for you? Well, I can't talk about it because my, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right, they always say that, right? I can't talk about it because it's okay. um, I can talk about it. Yes, I'm the guy. Um, uh, um, well, one, of the, I actually there's a um, there's actually a game group that I belong to. These very funny Englishmen, and they're just hilarious. And they have a um, they have a podcast. And I'm not going to say it because I actually haven't approached them yet. But they know all the mechanics for role playing games. I don't know them. You know what I mean? And and I was almost, and they're like, no, oh, we'll never make any, we'll never make a role playing game. And I was like, you know what? I should ask them to make a role playing game. Right. You know, because the other thing is, and you know, just from a practical standpoint, they have a pretty large audience, right? Because our podcasts and they're pretty funny and they've created a good community. So I would love to do like a TTRPG, 
tabletop yeah. role-playing game. You know, why not? Right. In fact, my other friend, my other friend who's been supportive from the beginning, is like, oh, you can make it in a role-playing game? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, like the ultimate would be great, would be, you know, some kind of a animation. I think, you know, like a cartoon. Um, but, and I think it can, I think it can happen. I don't think it's, the other thing about right now, this time period, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a fine artist, but he works at a school in town here. Um, it's an art school. And he's like, yeah, we, I work with these four, these four people. They're young people in their 20s. And they're all trained fine artists. And they teach that. But all of them on the side are doing like character design, computer animation. They're all doing this stuff, you know, especially the younger people. You know what I mean? Right. And um, there's just, and I mean, you remember when we were growing up, I mean, when you're growing up, like we didn't have the internet, we didn't have all that stuff, but there is, there is so much. And that's the other thing. Kickstarter is the same way. You know what I mean? Crowdfunding. I realized at a certain point, crowdfunding is the new economy. Yeah. It is, you know what I mean? And then you suddenly realize well, like people are, are making $2 million on a Kickstarter. You know what I mean? And there are people who only support Kickstarters for their genre stuff, for their games and for their comics. Right. It's the new economy. And so that's, you know, that's why, and the same thing with the, um, you know, the resources out there. There are so many resources. The problem is, and this was the problem that I was talking to with a card game designer. The problem is distribution. Yeah. Distribution is a challenge. You know, um, I mean, I tell you, if somebody can find out how to distribute effectively all of these incredible kickstarted games and comics, I mean, they're just going to destroy the traditional, you know what I mean? Because uh, Kickstarter and comic crowdfunding has really kind of upended the publishing industry. Right. You know what I mean? Can but no, sorry. I was gonna say that I just like having a Kickstarter store, like having like a brick and mortar Kickstarter store that I only sells thing. Kickstarter things. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I think you know, I almost I don't know what I was doing the other day, but I was I was having a moment, and I was like, I should send. There is a woman actually who works on behalf of Kickstarter um, as comic outreach, and I was like, I should send her an email. Like, have you guys thought about it? I think you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah Barney. Totally. It's 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 like you know when you go to the, when you go to the the, the your neighborhood drugstore and it always has that one section that says as seen on TV all the stuff you've seen on TV like having like <laughs> dedicated sections of like everything you've seen on Kickstarter right here. Do they have those in the drugstore? <laughs> no, they don't. But that would be good to have like nobody seen as seen on TV. They have those. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. But the problem with distribution is that you're always running into the big corporations. You know what I mean? Like Diamond was distributing um, comics, all that. They had a, just a stranglehold on it, you know? And so, yeah, that's, it's hard. Yeah. That's great. So, so, so talk to us, but so what's next? What's, uh, so as you say, you're working on, you know, part two now that will not be kickstarted though, correct? No, we're going to kickstart it for Are sure. You're still going to kickstart it. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So the thing is I have a, I have a publishing deal with Scout Comics and it scouts um, uh, a new, um, all-aged called okay. Scoot. And so um, 
so now, but basically it's one of these public, it's called a creator driven deal. And what it is, is that um, I am going to, um, I, you know, I kickstart the, I kickstart the projects and then they do distribution. So again, we were just talking about distribution, right? right. Um, that's one of the reasons why I did want, I did when they approached me, I was like, yeah, you know what? Distribution, they can work with distribution because they're, they have, you know, they're a, they're a publisher. I think they're under Simon and Schuster. So they have ins into bookstores and stuff like that. And, you know, what the, the, the other thing is that they would have a better able, they would better be able to format the, um, the comic because, you know, we have to self print our comics, right? Right. Um, which are a lot of, there are a lot of companies that do that, but, but really for YA comics, it's, it's the little books, like the bone sized books that is the best. And, you know, Scout could do that as well and get those into bookstores and stuff like that. Um, so, but I can still kickstart that first one um, and then kickstart and uh, kickstart uh, the card game as well. And I actually confirmed that that with the publisher, can I do that? You know what I mean? Cause we have a multimedia agreement as well. And um, he's like, no, it's just like the comic. You can kickstart or whatever you want, but then distribution, we have to talk again. But you know what? Hey, is that the, is that the worst thing in the world if they can distribute my card game into bookstores? <laughs> Not really, right? Yeah. So, um, and then I want to do that. And then, I don't know, after that, I kind of want to keep going with Baby Barbarian, but, um, you know, I guess I have more ideas. Um, uh, and then do, um, like, expansion card game packs that sort of mirror as the world is exposed right. to the reader, then the card game will synchronize with that. That sounds fun. Um, that that is that is fun stuff. I mean, you're it's like you as a creative, you're kind of like like a kid in a candy store with having all these opportunities to see what you can do with it. So congratulations, Bill. That's exciting stuff for you right Thank now. Thank you, Barney. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, just to, you know, before we wrap up, but just as, you know, I think, you know, you just got to find the right people. Right. I'm a good, the other thing, I'm very good at communicating. You know what I mean? And, you know, just, if you can find the right people and communicate with them in a respectful, responsible way, um, you know what? They, they're like this card game guy, man. He loves this stuff. Right. You know, I mean, he's working on it at home and taking it to his family. And I'm like, I don't know all that stuff. So I like gave him the basic ideas for what I think it should be like. And he's just crying. He's cranking away. You know what I mean? And he's stoked and I'm stoked too. And it's like worse things than being excited about what you're doing. Right. That's awesome. (laughs) So, so make sure. So Bill, come back on the show when you're ready for your, when the book two comes out or when the cards come out or, and everything so well if you'll have me yeah of course this has been great this has been this has been a great conversation bill and thank you so much for for coming on thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it and thanks to steph for for introducing us steph's amazing yeah (laughs) she just did a pull quote for me for the comic so i asked her if she would do that nice yeah because she's a writer as you know yeah right yeah, she's a great person. Barney, you're the man. I love um, talking to you and thank you so much for your insightful questions. And and now I got to go find your podcast. <laughs> exactly.
I don't know if you've seen. Do you follow video games at all? I I like there there there's a few video game streamers that I'll, I'll watch some of the classics. There's there's a gentleman that I watch. He does speed runs of '80s Nintendo classic Nintendo games that I get all reminiscent over watching. What do you mean speed runs? He'll do uh he he'll do a speed run of you know Castlevania or like Ninja Gaiden, like all these ones that you and I were playing, you know, when we were kids. He'll he'll sit down and he'll he'll play like the entire Ninja Gaiden game for like twenty minutes. He'll go from beginning all the way to the end and just play it. Like he'll, yeah. So is that like that's a thing? Huh? A that's a run. thing. Like it's yeah, it's it, like it's the nostalgia abound watching watching these. <laughs> I can't remember his name offhand, but if you just type in like you know classic Nintendo speed run on YouTube. Um, You'll be like, oh, I forgot this game, like RC Pro Am, like the games that you never, you don't remember, you you remember but forgot about. Basically. And he's just so good, he can just go through the whole thing in one, like yeah, that. yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, and because yeah, it's but if you think about it, those games is all just about timing, and yeah. it's not because they're they're pre-programmed, so there's not a lot of yeah you know, work on there. But yeah, it's 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 pretty fun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I know my son watches a lot of like Roblox YouTubers and stuff like that, but I'm I'm not I'm not really that guy. But yeah, yeah but the uh, classic the, the old Nintendo games, like just yeah. watching someone play Adventure of Link, like Zelda Two. I'm like Bionic Commando. Bionic Commando, yeah, like all those Gauntlet. Watching these games, like you completely yeah. forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me back there. Gauntlet was a classic fantasy, wasn't it? That was fun, yeah. 